Hello and welcome to another tantalising episode of For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast which shows up at your house uninvited, forces you to face your fears and turns your entire life upside down with a precision assault to the senses. How are we doing? It's uh, me, I'm Rob, and I'm here with Simon <laughs> and James. How are you, boys? I'm very well, thank you. Very, very good, mate. How are you, mate? Could you tell us where you're recording from today? Because it's really funny <laughs> what we can see. <laughs> I am, I am, this is um, this is absurd. I am sat in a um, a family uh, van <laughs> in the uh, middle of the the sort of the Yorkshire Dales. No, sorry, the Durham Dales. And I'm uh, yeah, overlooking a lovely vista at the moment. There's midges trying to get at me everywhere, and we've got sixty nine percent on the battery life. So this is like this is going to be like the ticking bomb clock of whether we can do this podcast. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's so good. Yeah, I'm on family holiday, fellas. Uh, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Wonderful. I mean, this is above and beyond. (laughs) What we do for you, for you listeners, you lucky lot. I mean, I say we, I literally do nothing. I just roll in here and. But if this isn't worth a five-star review on Apple, I don't know what is. Yeah, get on there. Rob deserves this. He's gone to he's gone to the effort so we can talk about this movie. I am Incredible. sweating buckets sat in this van. <laughs> <laughs> there's a giant, there's the biggest cow I've ever seen in a field behind me. I, it's, no, he's not looking at me at this point, but he was before. So I'll keep, I'll keep you posted, listeners. <laughs> I, I hope he's, a, I hope he's a fan of Adam Wingard's work. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, sheesh, I think he's a connoisseur. Uh, what have you guys been watching this week? I watched something that was an absolute delight that I've never seen. So it was, uh, it's an oldie. Relatively speaking, so I watched uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I have Ooh, never seen yeah. before. Have you not seen it? Oh, I no. watched that a few weeks ago as well, and it's just a masterclass in practical effects and production design. It does get a bit messy in places, and Keanu Reeves is as bad as you've heard in this particular movie. <laughs> But the performances are B-I-G. Everyone is just chewing on the luscious scenery, but it's so <laughs> enjoyable and gorgeous to look at. I had an absolute hoot with it. It was wonderful. Amazing. It, it is absolutely amazing. Just everything looks, but it's like a play, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just produced like a play, what's been this really lavish stage production, but it's on film. It, it's amazing. Did you catch that? Um, there was a behind-the-scenes video doing the rounds on Twitter not long ago. And it was Francis Ford Coppola and Gary Oldman like at loggerheads about a particular scene, <laughs> and Gary Oldman couldn't get it. And he's there in this like full makeup, like you know where he's like an old uh, Dracula. Yeah, yeah. He's in this full makeup, but he's got his like Cockney accent. He's like, "Well, what do you want me to do, Francis?" I don't, I don't know where you want me to go. <laughs> it's, just so, it's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's just brilliant. I, was, I have to put a link onto it. It's uh, it's so funny. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Shouting that's at awesome. each other. <laughs> So good. That's the one where they did the um uh, so many of the visual effects were done actually on the celluloid itself, wasn't it? Yeah, it's all done yeah. in camera. So what he decided to do is that the film sort of set around the time of the birth of cinema. So he decided he wouldn't do any effects that he couldn't do in camera and basically do them as they would have had to do them back at the turn of the century. That's astonishing. It's amazing. It's all when you get an auteur who's just like an absolute master craftsman, who's already made all of his best work anyway, and now he's just sort of messing around. <laughs> like it's just 
it's just incredible. Uh, you know, it just cements him as, even though it's nowhere near one of his best movies, it just cements him as one of the greatest living filmmakers to just be able yeah. to pull this off. Oh, it really does. That's astonishing. That's amazing. Cool. Uh, and uh, Sai, what about yourself? I've had a good week. I ticked quite a few films off my list this week, which I've never seen before. But the one I wanted to talk about was um, James Gray and Brad Pitt's space opus, Ad Astra. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Which I I properly loved it. I loved cool. it. Whether that's down to the fact I went in with really low expectations because I'd seen so much disappointment from it. Uh, a lot of lukewarm reviews, at mm. least on a sort of like, you know, like a letterboxed, you know, general sort of film going public consensus but yeah i thought it was ace i thought it was really good there's like a few a few sort of logic leaps required um for it because it's it, it it's a bit daft in places but if you just sort of leave that because it's sci-fi and just accept it it's just a really well executed one-man band of a movie and it might just be the best lit film i've seen for donkey's years it's just really really beautiful to look at yes yeah. it's, it's amazing i absolutely loved it i thought it was great yeah. cool sad astra or brad astra as it was dubbed <laughs> brad astra. it's a lot a lot more action than i was expecting as well yeah, i was expecting yeah. a real slow burn of a movie but there was quite a few good action scenes in it actually cool do you reckon that um, Brad Pitt is worried that someone thinks that his face is going to melt like Tommy Lee Jones's does <laughs> later in life? Like <laughs> casting Tommy Lee Jones as Brad Pitt's dad. I mean, that's spot on, really. But I don't know what the age gap is. But he's like, when is my face going to start melting and go all craggy like that? <laughs> I mean, they, they should have moved heaven and earth to get Robert Redford. But uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Flipping heck. But uh, no, it's great. I, I really enjoyed it. I guess Brad Pitt just wanted to complete the Ocean's Eleven trifecta of being in space movies. Like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I loved it. Really loved it. Cool, cool. Well, um, I uh, exhibited more dreadful parenting by showing my children Ghostbusters 2. That was what we watched this week. <laughs> and I said, like, you're going to love it. Don't worry, guys, you're going to love it. And... Oh, the, uh, it starts with the pram going out into traffic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? uh, and then um, I really, really forgot about the um, the heads on spikes in the subway system. Oh, yeah. I know it's like it's a dream sequence, isn't it? But uh, not a dream sequence, but it's like um, a hallucination, isn't it? It's not, yeah, yeah. not really there. But it's very, very jolly graphic. Uh, and the kids were like, don't like it, don't like it. Um, and But they said that comfortably that wasn't the worst bit. The worst bit was um, when Nanny Janosch came and <gasps> took the baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. terrifying. Absolutely. Nightmare fuel. Yeah. Uh, quick segue on that. That was my first ever cinema trip when I was Oof. five years old. Oof. Far too young to go and see five. Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters oh too. They're like, he likes the cartoon. This will be fine. Like absolutely terrified. I enjoyed it from what I remember, but I was very scared, particularly when uh, V goes in the uh, in the painting towards the end. He's morphing into Baby oh, Oscar oh and God. stuff like that. That scared, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten just how great Peter McNichol is in that film. Oh, I know. Yeah, he he's, he's, he's so, very good. You know that like, when he goes to shows up to see Dana in the middle of the night when there's a power cut and he's yeah. like, uh, you know, I just check on the baby, you know, and uh, and the baby's here. 
He's the only one who's not phoning it in. Everyone's there else is there just for the money, aren't they? I think. And like he's he's well, like, like Paul pro- Winston's only in a couple of scenes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they draft yeah. him in for the end. It's awful. <laughs> I seem to remember like the second one has got way more consistent scares in it, whereas the first one is only kind of the end where it gets a bit scary. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. The second one's just all the way through it. It's just terrifying. It's not appropriate for children. Oh, it's not. <laughs> really. it's not I, did, I did ask my daughter though, which um and I have to be honest, there's less sex jokes in the second one, which mm-hmm. makes it much easier. So it's a trade-off between, you know. Nightmare fuel and sex gags. So yeah. which one, you know? But my, just my... watch Frozen Two, Rob. Bloody hell! <laughs> <No, no. laughs> seen it four hundred times. No, they, um, yeah. She, uh, my five-year-old said that um, Ghostbusters One was better than Ghostbusters Two. Your five-year-old is correct. Yeah, five-year-old yes. is correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> discerning choice. It Already is a better, better film. taste than a father. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, lovely stuff. Now um, we might have to edit this out if I if I've got this wrong. But do we have a question this week, gent? <laughs> uh, we do. I assume you haven't prepared anything for it. Right? I can. I can wingy wing this. What, the, are, what the, are we talking about? The cow. The cow might have one. Go <laughs> you, got any, you got any key questions about the state of cinema? No. Nothing. Okay. So uh, what I was, what I put forward as the question. Thanks for reading my messages, Robert. It means a lot to me. <laughs> <I'm> uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, tonight's film, I believe, in a few years' time, is going to be categorised as a bit of a cult classic. So I thought something to discuss would be what are some of our favourite cult movies mm. in terms of things that have got a cult status years after they come out. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually have given this some thought, so I think I'll be okay. Um, a bit. <laughs> I find the definition of cult films quite hard to. It's a there. bit loose. To be fair, it is a bit loose, yeah. isn't it? So, um, you know, just to give the listeners a bit of a uh, of where where we're sort of attacking it from, cult films are known for their dedicated, passionate fan base, which forms an elaborate subculture that engage in repeated viewings, quoting dialogue, and audience participation. They can be enjoyed because they're sort of the film that nobody knows about, or they could be a terrible film that's sort of enjoyed ironically, like Tommy Wiseau's The Room, for instance, <laughs> is a yeah. is a good. Example example of a cult movie so that's sort of where we're coming at it from Rocky Horror as well that's a good yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah anything that has a sing-along version I think can be classed as a cult movie <laughs> <laughs> does that include Frozen 2 <laughs> probably there is a sing-along version of that alright that's the exception to the rule fair enough <laughs> <laughs> and sound cool. of music forget it it falls apart that analogy <laughs> <laughs> well surely I mean we, we we've talked about this on the podcast before but surely we were you know present at a cult movie staple in watching The Thing at a midnight screening oh yeah absolutely you don't get much more cult than that I mean we sat there hooting and hollering eating bowls of fried chicken yeah watching the movie you don't get much oh. more audience pleasing and, and geared up to the fans than that yeah absolutely I think that was that was my favourite film watching experience of all time. I think. Still is, brother. So good. Yeah, <laughs> so good. I was so drunk as well. We've been drinking all day, and that room smelt horrendous. Like, <laughs> it was a sci-fi convention, of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens and bitter farts and overcooked fried chicken. Lovely, lovely. Just, just people baking in their really elaborate costumes all day. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they're really elaborate. Smells. They were quite elaborate. 
Oh dear. So what, what springs to mind for you then, Si? Um, I mean, I, I, there's so many, but uh, there's two specifically I wanted to mention. The first one, mainly because I watched it not long ago because uh, the missus had never seen it and she was like, I really wanted to watch this film and I never watched it. Showgirls. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, interesting. I had a suspicion it was good, but I, on this recent rewatch, it's so brilliant. It's amazing. <laughs> I just don't think a film has ever straddled that fine line of awfulness and genius quite like Verhoeven did with, with this movie. And honestly, only God knows how much cocaine he was putting oh, into his schnoz during, <laughs> during production. Incredible. Quite but incredible it, wig work from Kyle MacLachlan in that movie as yeah, well. Yeah, and, and um, what she called Elizabeth Berkeley, yeah. um, who's Nomi um, in the film. She's just cranked it up to 15, and it's just bonkers. Yeah. And it's... It's amazing. It, I think it's well ahead of its time because it's it absolutely bombed. Yeah. But I, you watch it now and you're like, <laughs> this is well smarter than everyone gave it credit. <laughs> Could this be one for the pod, perhaps? Oh, it's potential. It's definite potential because yeah. I think it, it will resoundingly qualify on both fronts. <laughs> I, I've yeah. never seen it. I just remember, again, like oh, the local fantastic. video store having the poster and thinking, yeah, yeah. sheesh, fantastic. my hormones aren't ready for that. No, Whatever no. That is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Have you ever seen the episode of Saved by the Bell where Jesse gets hooked on caffeine pills? Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's basically that's, got that's basically her performance in this, but she the audition tape, but with less clothes on. <laughs> it, oh, it's 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 a mad it's film. bonkers, it's a mad mad film. Um, the other one uh, on the other end of the spectrum, it, it's actually in my top three movies ever. I think Oof. it's been there for ages, um, and that's Walter Hill's The Warriors. Ooh, which, oh yeah, yes. yeah, very good. <sighs> I just think very it's good. a perfect film. I think it's a re- one of those. There's not many films I would say are like just perfect, and and this is one of them. Um, I just think that the, the whole vibe of it's so unique. Yeah, yeah, and it still mm. still looks amazing. What was it, seventy nine? Yeah. Um. So what's this? Forty one years ago, still looks and sounds brilliant, and I just don't think there's been anything like it like since. Yeah. Yeah. Before or since, really, it's a really special special movie. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I've got the Warriors as one of my picks as well. I just love that whole survive the night chase movie mm. uh, vibe. It's it's so good. Yeah, the score's amazing as well. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah, I think that's quite important with uh, with with a you know it just has a real stylish look, doesn't it? And just a yeah. score that slaps all the way through. It's really really good. Yeah. Cool, that's amazing. What what have you got thinking, James? Yeah, so as I say, I had the Warriors like uh, like Cy, and that's when you know it's a favourite of mine for sure. I also thought of um, a film that I like, which I think has pro- has really developed a, a cult following so much so that the director's pretty much dined out on it ever since. So it's Clerks, the Kevin Smith oh, film yes. from nineteen ninety three, which yeah. is yeah, yeah, which is a no budget black and white comedy about slackers who work in a New Jersey convenience store and pass the time by having foul-mouthed pop culture-centric conversations. And it just launched his entire career as well as an interconnected cinematic universe long before the MCU existed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, And he made, you know, what I love about that film is it's not the greatest looking thing ever committed to celluloid, but he financed that himself, put himself in God knows how much debt. Just you have like ten credit cards or something. Yeah, like ten that. credit cards and just put twenty seven thousand dollars worth of 
<laughs> charges on that with no distribution, no safety net or anything. And then yeah. the right people saw it and he managed to build a, a career out of it, which That's is amazing. incredible. And I think it's it amazing. is genuinely quite a really well-written film as well. It's very funny. Yeah. It is, it is. I think that's why it sort of transcended that low budget yeah. thing, didn't it? it? Was just because it was written so well, and it's just really funny. Yeah, it's and he gets so really funny. good performances out of a non-professional cast as yeah. well, like yes. just these yeah. these guys who he knows from New Jersey to be in his movie. <laughs> One yeah, guy yeah. plays about six different roles. He just keeps putting different <laughs> wigs and glasses on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, some good some good shouts there. I think. Well, can I? I I've actually got a couple more. Sorry, oh, I yeah. know I started it, but um, just very briefly, I really liked um, Charles Bronson's Death Wish. Oh yeah, because of how super pared down that is, but it's so of a time. Yeah, yeah, and it looks dirty, doesn't it? You know, like when, even when you've got it in crisp HD, yeah. it just looks filthy. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's got that awesome <laughs> performance by Jeff Goldblum in it. <laughs> As an uh, yes. absolute lunatic, uh, which, I, you know, is up there, like, because he's an unsettling fella already, unless he's being super seductive, like in the Jurassic Park movies. But, like, <laughs> phew, he's off the scale in this. And the other one is, um, everyone talks about um, Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee, in the context of The Crow. Mm. In, in, the, in the sort of, like, big circles of fandom that enjoy early 90s action films we all feel robbed with brandon lee's death i thought he was going to be a massive star you know so i was like a massive tentpole action hero this guy who actually had a lot of range too he was lovely um but he did a film called rapid fire uh, in 1993, I think it was, and that has a cult following. That yeah. I mean, that for me, that's the film that I remember when I think of Brandon Lee. It's not The Crow. The Crow was like the you know I don't want to use the word swan song because that is a bit too on the nose. But mm. um, yeah, Rapid Fire is my cult go to. I've watched. Who's so he many in times. that with? There's someone else in that, isn't there? Yeah, Sean Young and Powers Booth. I always get it's really um, it's really disrespectful, but I always get mixed up Brandon Lee with Mark Dacascos. Uh Yeah, I, I can I can very very much say that um, Mark Dacascos couldn't lace Brandon Lee's sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, Mark Dacascos. Lovely discussion, lovely stuff. So this week um, we're talking cult movies, aren't we? And James, you have a bit of a doozy for us, don't you? Yes. So. In tonight's film, a smouldering smoke show slash dangerous sociopath arrives at the door of a bereaved family and gets his feet under the table. All seems to be going well. Then bodies start dropping all over town in Adam Wingard's The Guest. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Peterson? Yes? My name is David. Mrs. Peterson, I, uh, I knew your son, Caleb. I was with him when he died. That's me. You know Caleb? Yes, ma'am. We're pretty close. <laughs> yes, ma'am. He wanted me to tell you that he loved you. Thanks. He asked me to check on y'all. And so, we're gonna be good friends. What happened? I got into a fight with some guys at school. I'll teach him some self-defense when he's feeling up to it. What are you gonna do? Nothing bad. 
for the damages. Never let anyone pick on you. Here, you can keep it. Mr. Peterson, are you sure you're comfortable with me staying here? I think it could be a good thing for us. You know, I promised Caleb I would do anything I could to help your family. But I'm afraid I haven't been fully honest with you. I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't been here. Really, Mrs. Peterson, it's no problem. Lads, just letting you know, I'm on 52%. James, why did you pick this film? Hurry up. No, I'm <laughs> <All joking. right. laughs> Well, uh, trust me on this week of all weeks to have a four-part answer to this question. Excellent. So Excellent. Um, strap in, boys. We're going on a journey through James's deliberation process. So I was watching the Eurovision Will Ferrell movie the other week. It's good. I loved and it. It's, it's pretty good, yeah. And uh, Dan Stevens is in that movie. And I went... Hmm, Dan Stevens was the bomb in The Guest. <laughs> and then after that, I went, The Guest is awesome. I want to watch it again. Then I was just sort of pottering away and our um, our masters over at Flickering Myth put up a article about a potential sequel to The Guest and I would watch the shit out of, of that. So <laughs> absolutely... <laughs> To put it bluntly. Yeah. <laughs> on top of that, I'm almost decided that we're going to do the guest on the podcast. And then I remembered this classic interview on uh, Good Morning Britain. Well, get, uh, well, Dan Stevens was promoting said film. <laughs> this is you as an All-American and a big opportunity for you in Hollywood. You must have had to beat off a lot of American <laughs> men to get this part. <laughs> Why does that make you giggle? Did you not have to beat them off? You had to, to get the role. There was imagine there was quite a few men up for the role as well. There were. There were. Um. <laughs> and compose yourself. She knows what she's doing here. It's the follow-up question. Did you beat them off? <laughs> <laughs> she knows. She, she knows. knows. Oh. She knows. Oh, so, so, yeah, funny. that's why I'm picking the guest for tonight. <laughs> I love how that was the tipping point. Yeah. <laughs> Almost 100% shot. Now we are. Excellent. I enjoy childish innuendo about maybe wanking men off to get a part in a movie. <laughs> So when did you um, uh, when did you first see it? Do you know what this was? I didn't see it at the cinema, but do you remember the uh, Love Film rental service that yes. Amazon used to win, run? Oh, I miss that. And you know what? I really miss Love Film because streaming's great, but sometimes I find myself getting a bit lost in all of the choice that's on there. Yeah. Whereas Love Film, you had a watch list and then just had a randomly assigned disc sent out to you. And, you know, someone actually went and picked it, put it in the post and sent it out to you. And, you know, you thought, they've gone to all that effort. The least I can do is bloody watch the thing. So you end up watching <laughs> a load of stuff that now just sits in your watch list and you never get around to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Cool. I remember coming around to your flat, James, you know, when you... Um... I uh, used to live in the centre of Manchester and I'd always yeah. see the discs out. You know, oh, uh, I loved the it. film discs. I yeah. loved it. It was amazing because you get Blu-rays as well. It was. It wasn't any old. Yeah, yeah it wasn't any, any old rubbish. It was brilliant. <laughs> Bring it back. 
<laughs> and games. I think you've got games as well. Yeah, God, it's superb. So I really Amazing. miss that thing. Um, what about you, uh, Sai? What about your relationship with this film? Honestly, first watch, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't go to the cinema to watch it. I think I caught it when it first came out on the streamers, whether that was, I mean, it's available on Prime now, but I'm yeah. not sure whether it was on Netflix first or straight from, whichever one it was. That's when I watched it. And I don't really remember that much of it, to be honest. I remember Dan Stevens' gorgeous blue eyes. But, um, <laughs> and, and I went on, um, my Letterboxd account to be like, oh, I'll see if I wrote a review for it or, you know, give it a rating or whatever. And I was just really like, meh on it. <laughs> so I was was just like, yeah, just quite interested to watch it again, actually. Oh, um, cool. It was a lot cool. older than I remember. I, I, I didn't realise it was it was this old. I only thought yeah. it was like three years old or something, but it's yeah. 2014, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this was, um, I hadn't heard of it. Uh, had no context of it, but I had heard of that interview. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that so, didn't sell you on the film, Rob. <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about, to be honest. Um, and um, I don't want to watch the products of one young man's desperation. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah, so I went in this totally fresh this week. Um, oh, and nice. uh, yeah, this is it. Wonderful. This is my first chance to discuss the movie. Lovely. And it's an Adam Wingard movie. It is an Adam Wingard movie, yes. Mm. So he's also uh, directed Your Next, which was uh, his previous film to this, which is also very good. Really gnarly take on home invasion uh, horror, which is good. He also directed a movie called Death Note, uh, which was an adaptation of a Japanese manga. And people were not happy with that. And um, I watched it. I thought it was quite good. But I'm not interested in manga because I'm a grown-up. And these manga maniacs chased him off Twitter. They were horrible to him and chased yeah. him off. I remember the furore, yeah. 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 I, I didn't mind his death note actually, because I I am um I am one of those people who likes anime. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh I, you know, I, I really liked both the graphic novel of Death Note and the series. I didn't. I wasn't really into the Japanese live action films. I thought they were a bit rubbish, to be honest. And then Netflix made that one, and I, I thought it was all right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's that automatic outrage because they're taking what's this Japanese product and bringing it over to America, and you know what, how they say whitewashing it and all that sort of stuff. Um, which is, you know, people are, are just despising the film before they've even seen it. Yeah. Um, and it's like. You know, I get it if there wasn't a Death Note film already in existence. Yeah. But there is. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, so why not? You know, I, I, I didn't see a problem with it personally. Um, I, I quite liked it. Yeah. I suppose this is probably one of those reasons why this is one of those small building blocks, because I remember the outcry of this, but one of the small building blocks that contributed to us doing the podcast, wasn't it, I'd imagine? Absolutely, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, totally. And the other thing as well with that film... Um, is it, like Keith Stanfield is in is in it. Yeah. And he's amazing. He's now it? proper hot stuff. Yeah. So I'd be interested if that came out now, I think those same people would have a bit of a different opinion on it purely because he's in it. Yeah. And he's great in it. He's he's really good. He he plays the 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 sort of weird um like freelance investigator who tries to catch the main guy in it. And and he's great in it. And yeah. So it's 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 quite interesting, you know, the the sort of 
narrative surrounding that film and, and how Adam Wingard got completely trolled to oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but those uh, those people who were sending him death threats and stuff because he made a movie, well, they're still living in their mum and dad's basement and he is off directing Godzilla v Kong. So who's, who's one yeah. in the is end, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean... What's that, a $200 million budget blockbuster? I, like, I, oh. I love those films. I love that The Last Godzilla, what got really shit reviews. I thought that was great. I haven't seen that yet, but I no, have. No, I've not. good. It's I liked good. Kong Skull it's Island good. in particular. I thought that was really that was good. Amazing, really. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love that. In fact, that's what I'm going to show the kids next week. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, it's just quality. So good, isn't it? Um, so how does the film qualify then? I mean, are we talking... Well, no, I've got to take my own prejudices out of this because obviously I have an opinion on the film which might inform which way I angle the question. Yeah. Um, but surely it was well-received. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> James, give me some figures. How was it? <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, from uh, from a box office perspective, this is how the, uh, how the guest makes it onto the pod. So apparently the budget for the film was around $5 million. Uh, but which is astounding because I think it looks a lot more expensive than that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it only made two million one hundred and seven thousand worldwide, according to the numbers website. Worldwide as well. Yeah, ah. and only three hundred and sixty nine thousand in the states. Wow. It later made three million on home video, and then with streaming and stuff like that, and TV rights, it's probably done okay. In the end, because it is an independent movie, so it's not it's not expected to do millions and millions at the at the box office. But I imagine that was probably under what they were hoping for. I think your next did like twenty million off a off a one million budget, which was his his previous film to this. So a bit of a box office disappointment potentially. Hmm. So that would lead on to it has to. Sorry, that's a load of rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you not so listening to me, Rob? <laughs> I am, I am. Sorry, mate. I keep getting distracted by all sorts. Because, you know, like, I'm convinced that people think I'm some... I'm sat here, like, with a computer open with headphones in. I look like I'm, I'm scoping, casing a place out, don't I? You know? Doesn't look great. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so critically, then, um, we know we're in the clear. Thank God for that. Uh, how was it received, Si? Yeah, really well, actually, especially critic-wise. It's a mighty 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, critically. Um, a Quite a surprising 69% on the audience, which I guess, I suppose, backs up the box office things. Maybe not many people were on board with it. Um, Metacritic slightly over at 76, with an audience at 8.7, so it's really, like, all over the place. But a really high 3.5 on Letterboxd, so... Um, yeah, quite well received. As I say, critics loved it. They really did. On on by and large, they really really liked it. I think most of it was because they all got on board with what it was mm-hmm. and were like, "It's a big, mad mash of genres." Oh yeah. Just to go through some reviews. Um, well, we have to go to what did the tune right? Let, let's give him the let's give him the lead. <laughs> I'll ask you, Simon. <laughs> what did the sheriff think? Oh, God, I'm so disappointed. The sheriff uh, was straight down the middle with this. He gave it two out of four. Ooh. Oh. And he said, uh, 
Until it becomes completely demented, The Guest is a perfectly respectable thriller, and even when it stops being respectable, even when it goes off the rails and becomes utterly ridiculous, it's still entertaining. I guess he wasn't as on board with how mad it was as the other critics. Or how mad it went, yeah. sorry. I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> how, how, how mad it went. Um, Andrew O'Hare from Salon.com. I, I'm not familiar with this website. Um, he's, he gave it five stars and said, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. And if you've been lamenting the death of violent genre movies that don't assume the audience to be morons, you will love it too. Nice. So, so yeah, that, that was good. And then... Britain also loved it. It got four in Empire, four in the Evening Standard by Charlotte O'Sullivan, who said, uh, there are several moments in the film where I had absolutely no idea whose side I was on. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> Moral um, ambiguity. I love it. Yeah. And then the, a really good one, uh, lastly, uh, just to flick to letterbox, there was a good, I saw a good review by someone called Matt Singer who gave it four and a half stars. Uh, and he said, the action movie about the effects of war on veterans and their families. This is the film the Academy should have nominated instead of American Sniper. Holy balls, this is fantastic. I'll have more to say once I find my way out of Dan Stevens' piercing blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I especially love it because I really didn't like American Sniper. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. Really, really positive on oh, the, right. on the critic side, and they all yeah, they all had the same yeah. sort of view on it. Yeah, we've been a bit out of sync with Mick recently, haven't we? We're getting back on board oh, soon have. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't worry. He's, he's, he's the sheriff for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. He's fine. We have to <laughs> we have to we have to respect his his views. I mean, well, I think, he, he had he had positive stuff to say about it, but yeah. it was just a bit meh. <laughs> I guess how I was when I first watched. it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe Mick needs a good old rewatch. You know, yeah, you maybe, know. maybe. Um, yeah, I think um, that's uh, th- those reviews actually provide a very neat segue into actually talking about the film itself. Yeah, because bearing in mind that I I had no expectation, I hadn't even seen a still of this film. No, I'd seen the poster when I was working up the art for this episode. <laughs> that's, that is literally it. So I didn't know what it was about. And then it opens up with this brilliant, just the guest, the title is on the screen. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. I mean, the music and this, the music of this film is just astonishing. Absolutely. It really, really is. So uh, Steve Moore is down as doing the music, but I've been listening to the soundtrack all week and I don't know what is score and what is just really well chosen, chosen tracks. Yeah. That, yeah. That that fit in really well with the with the vibe of the film, but this score or soundtrack, whatever you call, want to call it, it just slaps so hard all the way it really through. Does, it's just it? every bit of music is so well chosen, yeah, and it really, really gives it this sinister sort of ethereal, weird vibe that has these homages to Carpenter, yeah, uh, from back in the eighties and. That's what I, I, I'm quite a simple soul. Give me genre and a cracking score, and you're halfway there with me already. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. yeah. well, I, I felt like I was watching a Friedkin movie at the beginning. Oh, yeah, it's got a very Tangerine Dream yeah, feel to it, yeah. like in Sorcerer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it just totally sums up why you chose the cult film question at the start, James, because this is ticking all those boxes. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's quite similar to The Warriors in that sense, isn't it? It's, it's quite a. Um, We'll get into it, but it's not straightforward genre, but it is very much in the genre wheel in various different genre wheelhouses. Yeah. It's got a real stylish look to it, and then that that soundtrack just really brings it all together. And it's just I, I it's the sort of like independent low budget filmmaking that I really enjoy. Like mm. 
Yeah, I mean, let's. Yeah, while we're on the topic of genre, what genres do you think you can tick off here in the mishmash of what this is? I mean, you've got coming of age stuff. Yes. Got like high school stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the party, that's very American. You know, it's like American yeah, yeah. pie for a bit there. Um, you've definitely got horror, definitely got thriller. Yeah. You've got straight up action movie by the end. Yeah, yeah. And you, uh, then you've got family like, drama. Family drama. <laughs> uh, you've got, um, what's that one? Oh, like like gritty crime. Yeah, like and there's a, a mystery dramas. element to it as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're on to, that was eight we're into yeah, yeah. there, and there's still more to uncover. And that's what I'd say about this film, is like, if you're not enjoying like the particular tone of it for, for five minutes, like just don't worry, another film will be along in five minutes that you probably <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Like, it'll switch it up. Right? <laughs> very true, very true. Um, and you, what I also like, um, I always like it when a film doesn't muck about, gets you straight in there, oh, and yeah. you're straight in here. It's really like, economical. Yeah. yeah, that's the word economy. The economy of storytelling here is just wicked, mm. isn't it? Mm. Really, really good. So we kick off, don't we, with uh, just, uh, uh, as I described him in the log line, a smoke show that is Dan <laughs> Stevens, David, turning up at the house of the Peterson uh, family who are a bereaved family and their son was, uh, was a soldier who was killed in action and uh, Dan Stevens' is David turns up claiming to be a friend who served overseas with their son. And he sort of just ingratiates his way into the family, don't they? They sort of feel like they're missing their son and he's in the he's in the armed forces like their son. They want to help him out. Mm. It's sort of going to help with their bereavement as well yeah. as they move forward. And he's like, he's like, he's part of the furniture within about five minutes, mm. even though he's a he's a bit off. There's something not quite right about. Him. <laughs> there's something quite well. He has he has a moment with all the family members, don't you? Where there's yeah. it's quite an awkward introduction to each of them, and then yeah. there's something which instantly twigs them around. So the mum, Laura, played by Sheila Kelly, uh, she sees a photo of him with her son, so she's like, oh, I can trust him. And then the dad uh, has a beer with him, doesn't he? Yeah. And, oh, I love and then that. He I've just him. written lovely beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the Caleb's sister, so the, the Caleb is the soldier who died, played by Micah Monroe, who was in yeah, yeah. It Follows, wasn't she? Which mm. is another great genre. genre yeah, film. yeah. Which would make a great double bill, these two, wouldn't yeah. they? It would, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's all these, and the son as well, the, the brother as well, Luke, there's an awkward moment there. So they, they all have these awkward introductions to him. Yeah. Which are then like instantly, you know, they, they, they there's a there's a good reason why they instantly sort of trust him. Yeah. And like like you said, James, economy, this is all done in the first five minutes. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before yeah. you know it, he's staying in the house in the room of their uh, of their deceased son. Yeah, as well, he's gonna be, he's gonna be staying there. There's like nobody's even batting an eyelid uh, eyelid apart from um, uh, Michael Monroe's character Anna, who's not quite sure about this smoking hot dude who's she's, just she's turned not, up for the yeah, door. I mean, she she knows he's smoking hot. She's I, very I mean, aware she, of how well, hot he but is. There's but... a magnificent uh, shower moment when he emerges <laughs> from a shower and. Uh, He's obviously, you know, shredded. I, I read that um, they filmed that last. 
so yeah. that he could keep working out throughout the entire production <laughs> just for, that, just for one, that one moment. One moment. Yeah. Well, apparently when he auditioned, he was quite emaciated because he'd been playing a, uh, a drug addict in a Liam Neeson film, uh, A Walk Among the Tombstones, and he turned oh, yes. up and they said, yeah, we need, we need you to sort of be quite alpha and built. And he's like, no, I'll get there. I'll get there. It'll be absolutely fine. And he did. He really does because he's clearly put, yeah. like we were saying with Nick Cage in Con Air the other week, he's really put the oh, gym yeah. work in for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, he's in. He's in part of the family. And uh, and the first, so he's got the mother on side straight away because, you know, he's he's ingratiated his way in there. She's probably feeling that he's a bit lost and someone that she can take care of having lost her own son. Yeah. And then he's also ingratiating himself with Luke, the younger sibling mm. who is being bullied at school and uh we're straight yeah. into the movie aren't we really like he goes to pick you know second day there he's on the school run picking luke up from school isn't he <laughs> yeah now connect it's about this point when my wife came in to the room yeah. and uh, she saw it and she said she watched i think it was four seconds yeah and she said i'd like to go and watch this so <laughs> she went to the other room and started it again so oh, wow. um it, and I, I must point this out, it wasn't the shirtless scene. Which no, no. Say, yeah. I'm just going to go and watch sure. this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, so this is, uh, I actually have her take on it tonight oh, as well. Oh, wonderful. First time right. we've ever done oh, one together. So, keep uh, that on ice, keep that on ice. Excellent, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, I can't wait to hear what Mrs Parker has to say about proceedings. Is she a Downton <laughs> Abbey fan? Did you, was she familiar with Dan Stevens already? No, I don't think so, I don't think so. But I, I after, after I finished the movie, I went to... I went, you know, to bed and left her downstairs watching the end. Yeah, um, wonderful. So yeah, she, she, and it's not often that we both can watch the same movie. No, you know? no, no. So it was, yeah, it's a real treat. This. Oh, that's class. Oh, cool, cool. So, uh, so David has got himself um, ingratiated with the family. He can hold his liquor. It doesn't have any effect on him. He doesn't need to sleep much. He stares out the window <laughs> in the middle of the night. He's an, he's doesn't just blink. a bit he's just a bit kooky. That's all. He's yeah. just a bit kooky. Yeah. <laughs> and he decides to pick Luke up from school, and they decide to go on a little road trip, don't they, and follow oh, the bullies to so, to so a bar. Great. And this is this is where the the music gets really to the yes. front and center because the, yeah. the opening it's quite subtle, isn't it? It just, is. Yeah. There's not really any music at the start, and then this is the bit where it just really becomes one of the characters, doesn't it? And you just it absolutely does. yeah. And we start um, kicking into genre, don't we? I mean, this could have yeah. been made in the eighties. This could have been a scene in Roadhouse. This that's yeah, coming up in a minute, yeah. like yeah, just, uh, like the bar is so great in the middle of nowhere. You know, talking about location and set building, yeah, whatever, yeah. You know, it's just so great this bar. But the the way he antagonizes the kids in there by buying you know Rudy Doody named shots for the girls that were there. <laughs> <laughs> and and cosmopolitans for the boys. <laughs> yeah, Sex and the City. It's what Samantha likes in Sex. Is Absolutely. It? Oh no, yeah. she has a Manhattan. Sorry, she has a Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love all this scene, and and he's wadded as well. He you know because there's a, a ruckus ensues. Yes. And he maims for children's stuff. He does. Yeah. Yeah. But you kind of with him because they're little shit. Yeah. 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 But he's. The violence when it kicks off. Like, so what oh, yeah. he does is he orders uh, a drink, his drink of choice, which is known as a fireball, which is, uh, did you guys catch the ingredients for this particular well, I cocktail? Want, I wanted to find out because it looked delicious. <laughs> is it to- 
Tabasco's in it, right? Tabasco, Tabasco and it? cinnamon schnapps. It's basically just rocket fuel by the sounds of things. Ugh. And he's there sipping it, but then that comes into play. So when he's confronted, when the bullies confront him and throw a cosmopolitan in his face for being so disrespectful, he throws <laughs> the fireball shot into the dude's face. And then it's just... He's just battering these kids like, well, they're not six years old. They're like 17, aren't they? But he absolutely destroys every single one of them. <laughs> no, when, you know, if you, it, with this being a first watch as well, I had no idea what I'm watching. Like, what is happening here? And no. then you've got the moral question of obviously, yeah, they deserved a pound in these kids. Yeah. But they're still like kids, you know, like, so it's very difficult. And it's not a comedy. It's not like the end of Step Brothers where they go back and sort out the kids at the no, playground, no, which yeah, is yeah. all done for jokes. I think it is kind of a comedy as we go through and as things get more and more ridiculous. I think the tongue is planted firmly in the yeah. cheek. Yeah, I think uh, Adam Wingard and the screenwriter, uh, they're very cheeky boys, I think, and they know what they're up to. <laughs> and they're, tra- they're just trying to push this moral ambiguity throughout because the thing is with Dan Stevens as David he's so charismatic as well he's yeah. got like this southern drawl and just this this like 10,000 watt movie star smile as well like and he's looking after the kids so you're like yeah he's giving these bullies their comeuppance but it's a bit it's a bit aggressive to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I mean I was like because I, I as I said like earlier I, I kind of forgot a lot of this film and I was when he it was great watching it again because it was just like watching it for the first time. And when that bully chucked the drink in his face, I was like, "You little shit! Like you absolute little shit!" There was just no need. There's no need for that. <laughs> and, and I was like, "Oh, oh, I can't wait for him to punch him." And then he does, and then I'm like, "Oh, I didn't mean like yeah, that." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he snaps that guy's leg who's on the floor. He's like a sixteen year old kid. <laughs> But one of the things I love about this film um, is the violence is 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 very visceral. Yeah. Oh yeah. um, Not in a sort of gory. I mean, it is gory, but it's not like it's not that torture porn. No, 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 not at all. Just like a like a. There's a bit of realism to it, and all the yeah. The sound design is really horrible. Yeah. But the thing I love most is when people get hit, they react as you would (laughs) in real life, and they're just like. <laughs> like all the kids are just like, oh. <laughs> like proper, like oh. it's really yeah. And he he, he just twats one of them with a snooker key or with a pool key, and he's just like, oh god. <laughs> and then they're out it's of there, great. aren't they? And like yeah. uh, back to the family home. And everything's going swimmingly for David, and he gets invited to go to a party, doesn't it? Is it the party that comes next? Yeah. So, so he, yeah. So from this, Luke was the last person he needed to get on side, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that Anna's still a bit awkward. So this was the way to get on Luke's side was to just beat the shit out of his tormentors. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, now like they're all sort of obligated to the family are like obligated to look after him now, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, all, yeah. There. And then and yeah, they go to a, he he heads out with Anna to a Halloween party, um, which gets another a bit... great scene, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's so nice. The only thing I didn't get was you know when they got home from the bar, he's had a, a very you know he's had a very sweet drink thrown all over him, and no one goes, David, you stink of booze, man. <laughs> 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 What's going on? 
This is where he has his shower, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yes. He's uh, he, oh, you know, he's yes. got to get he's got to get ready for the part for the part. Lovely, lovely. And I oh, liked yeah. his uh, Rob. You're usually wardrobe guy, but what did you think of uh, David's ensemble for the uh, <laughs> uh, for the Halloween party with a load of twenty early twenties, late teens people? I, I mean, I actually. Ha- <laughs> have a uh, line in the outro about a primed ready for my feelings on this. Something about it being as tight and taut as the script. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a lovely golf shirt, isn't it? It looks like he's just played nine holes with, uh, with Bob from accounting before heading over to this teenage yeah. Halloween do. And, and scares the life out of everyone while... There, I mean, he's intense there as well. He, he, I mean, he's only got one gear, isn't he? And it is intense. Yes. Like everything that he does is, is intense and off. Uh, yeah, so he's sort of mixing with the kids there. He gets chatting to the nerdy guy from Avatar, whose name escapes me. That's what he's in. Yeah, That's what he's in. yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Joel David Moore. Yeah, he has a he has a chat with him. Finds out that nerdy Avatar fella can get him a gun. At a later date, and I'm sure that'll be absolutely fine when that comes yeah, around. You know, as he says, he's a soldier. He likes guns. Like he just yeah, wants yeah, one. Of course. It's fine. There was a there was a bit. I'm not usually one for sort of um, like picking out incidental bits of movies, but then yeah. I guess it does have a point to the film. Yeah. I'm not having that. He could carry two full kegs of beer. Well, that's part of the I joke, not, isn't it? Like, I am yeah. not having that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to work in a pub. Granted, I was like a weedy 18-year-old, but fucking hell, it was hard enough lifting one empty one, let alone two humongous yeah. full ones. But this this all speaks to the reveal of what David it actually does, is does, later does. on, doesn't it? Yeah. But I yeah, laughed out yeah. loud at that moment. I think there is a really good natured sense of dark humour and the absurd running through this film as well <laughs> yeah, that they properly yeah, lead yeah. into. Because he just walks through this, this party with... Two kegs, basically, that we assume are full, right? Because it's the start of the party. One on his shoulder, the other one on his arm. And he's like, what are you, got? What are you, what are you worried about? Yeah, I can carry these, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, you know, the party's going swimmingly. There's some more ultraviolence. He smashes up the... <laughs> Oh, yeah, he smashes up the hostess's uh, ex-boyfriend and then uh, and then retires for some for some loveliness in the uh, in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, extremely awkward. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I read this thing about him that whenever the um, whenever the close-ups are on him, he's doing everything that he can not to blink to add to the unsettling ah. nature. Uh, within him because as we've already already established he doesn't sleep much and he doesn't seem to close his eyes at all yeah. and yeah he has an incredibly awkward sex scene with this girl yes um, and yeah that whole you know sneaking upstairs at a party thing and yeah, coming yeah. back downstairs thing I always find it quite yeah it is it's a bit icky yeah, yeah. unless it's uh, McLovin yeah absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> then I'm I'm down with that that's fine yeah. but again it's playing into genre tropes isn't it, it like is, the guys that's, that's, yeah, that's the exactly film's it. so self-aware of what it's doing I yeah. think that it's just sort of uh, playing fast and loose with these tropes yeah, and then they, they leave the party, don't they? Because Anna, Anna has a uh, a bit of a disagreement with her boyfriend Zeke, who's just with like her boyfriend, a, boyfriend Zeke, boyfriend. <laughs> your boyfriend Zeke, and uh, they kind of uh, you know Anna and David sort of bond on the way home, and everything seems to be going really nice. He smashed up some bullies. He's had a lovely time at a party, <laughs> and Anna, who's been giving him the cold shoulder. <laughs> Is is starting to warm to him a bit to the point that she agrees to make him a mixtape because he enjoys the music that's playing in her car. 
Oh, and we're like, oh, maybe we're going to so, get a bit of romance in the second half. Uh, of this yeah, film. <laughs> yeah. Because at, at this point, I, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, there's obviously something quite weird about this dude. But yeah, to me, is a, is the hero of the film? At the yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with like, him, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't play well, by the rules, but uh, but no, I'm, he's, yeah. he's he's got lovely. He's handsome. He's 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 dashing. But yeah. then, bit heavy handed with teenagers. But you well, know, yeah, we'll yeah, let that go. Just a little bit. They need, you know, sometimes they need to sort of teach the lesson. But uh, but this is the bit where it sort of goes, I'm going to be, he's a bit, he's a bit weird because we go from Anna in her bedroom, don't we? And it's, it's like a yeah. tracking shot across the window and yeah, yeah. it's just him with his death stare and with, you know, not blinking. And this is where we get, which I love, it's like a, a motif throughout the film where it's, the music's playing, but then there's a hard cut yeah. and it, it's cued by... Just like a high pitched synth, yeah, it's yeah. lovely. Note, like just one note, just going eh, like Michael Myers, <laughs> yeah, the signifier yeah. of Michael uh, yes. Myers in, in Halloween. I just love that. It happened. I think this is maybe the first or second time it happens, but it carries on a lot through the film. Yeah, that it's brilliant. Proper yeah, yeah. Hard cut from one scene to another with that music cue, and you're like, okay, well now I don't. I'm not not sure about this guy. He's a bit bit fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then Anna, bless her, has been up all night making this mixtape for this weirdo who's sleeping in her brother's bed, right? Yeah. And <laughs> she gets up and goes out to the kitchen. He's on the phone. He's having a very heated conversation with somebody or other. And Anna's defences are back up now. And she decides that she's going to have a little look into David just to see if he is who he claims to be. And she gives uh, the army a little call. And as soon as she rings through to the call centre and mentions his name, a red flag comes up on his computer uh, on the uh, on the operator's computer and then we're introduced to uh, one of my favourite sort of character actors who always oh, crops up in everything it? Lance Reddick who what a dude what an absolute what a voice dude. what a voice people probably mo- mostly know now as the as the concierge guy from uh, from the John Wick movies but he'll always mm. be Lieutenant Daniels from the uh, from the wire to me and he's, he's just always mm. a cop isn't he oh he's so good He's got the most authoritative voice ever. Yeah. Like I, I remember years ago, I worked on something. It was like a a sort of supporting like bunch of interactive webisodes for Fringe. Yeah, and uh, they had him. Oh, brilliant! Doing, yeah. You know, at a camera bit, and he's got this superb voice, hasn't he? Dead deep, yeah. Christ, dead yeah, authoritative yeah. voice. Yeah. But then you'd get the cut that takes in between of him talking to the director. He's like the nicest dude. He's like, okay, guys, what do we do now? What's going on? Now? <laughs> oh, really? Like, what? What's going oh, on? You're like, I love it. And he's just yeah, like yeah. the More. sweetest dude. He's <laughs> like a really oh. nice. Like, is that's not what he sounds like in real life. That's all like for the camera. That is. That's amazing. Does he have really the ramrod uh, posture like he has whenever oh, he's, he's on screen in anything? He's, <laughs> he's just so like like if he's talking in a room. You know, heading up a meeting with a whiteboard, I am listening to him. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I am listening to what that dude's got to say. He just carries authority so well, doesn't he? Oh, he's, oh, he's quality, and he doesn't care that he keeps getting typecast in that role. Essentially, as like the head of yeah. the department or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what he is in Fringe. That's what he is in The Wire. It's what he is in this. Basically, although he's had an absolute nightmare in this particular scenario. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we catch him in a meeting, don't we? Where he's, yeah, yeah. he's uh, where when the meeting abruptly ends. He's too important to even pick up his his pen 
on his papers, he literally just walks out saying the meeting's over, gentlemen. Um, I actually noticed um, this was the first clue to me that something was different or something military secret organization was going yeah, on yeah, was yeah. because on the pad was a logo which um, David had on his hoodie at the ah, start. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it just, there was a little twee connection there. Yeah, lovely. And it, well, what it turns out is, is that, is that David is sort of like a super soldier, isn't he? Mm. He's, he's sort mm. of like a psycho Jason Bourne, basically. And he's been in some yeah. sort of really messed up treadstone type program. And it's all <laughs> got, it's just gone really, really badly. <laughs> <laughs> he isn't who he says he is, basically. And then, uh, no, yeah. And uh, Lance Reddick is aware of this, and he needs to get on a flight and sort this situation out pronto. I just again, we don't waste any time. We don't do any meetings. No, no. Uh, you know, it's just right. I'm going to fly out there and sort this out now. And I need some shooters. Basically, that's all. That's yeah, all, yeah, all that's the explanation yeah. that you need. And then he's off. Yeah. It was great because this was sort of one of the few. Uh, instances again going on the trivia pages, but a few instances where test screenings worked out really well for the film. So yeah, uh, those scenes with Lance Reddick in the offices was added in afterwards because the audience were like, "Who's this guy?" Because it was just the scene where he goes to the house was where he's first introduced. Oh really? But then it, they also did away with a lot of expositional stuff and and flashbacks yeah, yeah. to how he how he became this super soldier because the the audience were apparently just like don't care well, he's too right, much yeah, information yeah. don't care really yeah. don't care just tell me as a he's a inverse jason Bourne and that's all i need and i don't need to know his backstory i don't need to be you know i don't need an emotional attachment to this dude yeah like yeah. just 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 tell me in a car, like like he did, like Lance does to him. I know he just tells her in a one sentence. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a super yeah. soldier. It's like, oh, there we go. It's yeah, it's me. such oh, an important... quite good Lance Reddick, that sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super <laughs> soldiers. Sorry, that sounded like um like Grant from EastEnders when he had a cameo in extras. <laughs> super army soldiers. Super army soldiers. <laughs> and and then he goes to pick up a gun. Yeah. And um and then oh dear um well, it goes wrong, and he says, "I'm going to kill. You know, I'm going to have them all." It's a great scene. It's so good. It like, so scene. he goes to see like the local arms dealer in a war in a quarry, doesn't he? And um, yeah, and uh, the guy from Avatar's there as well as sort of the middleman. And he goes, uh, "Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take all the guns." He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah. If you got money for them, man, you give them to me. Now. Give it to me now. You can take them all off my hands." He goes, "No, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Just shoot him in the head." <laughs> Oh, he's just—he's just—he's <laughs> such a badass, isn't he? It I is, yeah. Think, oh, he's I'd, so hard. So, can we check in at this point? Are we still on his team? Because the guy was sort of—they were kind of scummy uh, characters. Is, but... I, mean, I was about to say this is the coldest moment he's had, but it's really not going to stay that way. I mean, there are far colder moments coming up. I—I I, I love the way he. Um, well, can we get this out of the way? Sorry, sorry, our American listeners. It's Craig. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, this drives me mental. It drives me absolutely crazy. It's not right. It's Craig or it's Greg, right? It's not a weird amalgamation of the two. Craig, right? Like, uh, I wrote that down. Why can't Americans pronounce Craig properly? No, it's, I mean, it's not. It's not especially hard, is it? No. Uh, you know, Craig. Craig. The only reason I don't, I don't feel bad bad about this is because there is this long running joke on social media where it's like kid, American kids are like British people sounding like Harry Potter, 
<laughs> I've just totally <laughs> taken the piss out yeah, of yeah. British accent. So, yeah, this is fair game. Stay, pronounce the name Craig properly. Yeah, that's <laughs> all we ask. No, but I mean, I suppose though, if if you were if you were if your parents couldn't pronounce it, then I suppose it's, it's not your fault. It's, it's not your fault. Yeah, it's generational. Yeah, it's, in, no, my name in, isn't actually Craig. It's actually Craig. Craig. So, yeah. well, well, you know, what, but it's spelt Craig, so yeah. just uh, dear. maybe, maybe you know when because it, it's got that AI in it. Is it assumed it's exotic? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah but you pronounce it Craig. You know, <laughs> uh, it even makes me feel weird saying yeah, yeah. Craig. Uh, anyway, um, so now he's armed, which is good. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's got guns, with, with, which is just what guns. we need. <laughs> and then we're in um, the territory of. Uh, a fight at school. Yeah. Yes. Luke's got himself in trouble. Throughout the film, he's been peppering uh, Luke with some absolutely horrendous advice throughout. So he's like, <laughs> you know, it starts off well. He always starts off well, and then it just it just goes off the end of a pier every single time. He's like, <laughs> you must stand up for yourself, Luke. You can't have people picking on you. So you know, if someone comes, if you go at someone with a knife and he hits you and takes it off you, just go to his house and burn it down with his family. <laughs> <laughs> which is which made me laugh out loud because he says it 100% straight and it's just brilliant like they're really leaning into just like this guy is an absolute psychopath <laughs> and he, he just pulls it off so well doesn't he does he? yeah he's, he's very very good all um because I like most people know Dan Stevens is just the the podgy posh guy from Downton yeah yeah he's, He's great. It's, he's yeah. so good. It's such a disappointment this didn't do more better business because he's, he's you know he's still having a good career. He's doing lots of work. Yeah. Apparently that Legion show that he was in was really good. Yes, um, it was on FX, yeah, really good. which yeah. I haven't seen. But oh, I just feel like if this movie had come out in like the nineties, or if he'd done a performance like this in like na- the nineties, he'd be a huge action you, movie star. You know, like yeah. Do you think like? I mean, this might just be completely psycho into Conspiracy Corner again. Oh, go on then. <laughs> this film was was marketed very much like a Drive ripoff, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so it was. All the posters yeah. were um, similar colour tones with this like same fonts and yeah. similar neon vibes. And the film, with the exception of that bar scene, which is like would have neon everywhere. Yeah. It's not got that aesthetic as Drive. No, has. no. It's not the same tone as Drive. No, totally yeah. different. And, totally you know, different. Apart from just a handsome blonde lead who's quite weird. Yeah, yeah. There's not... That's really kind of where the similarities end. So, you know, marketing a film as this sort of Drive... Let's say what it is. It looks like a rip-off, doesn't it, when you look at a poster? Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, with Drive being that sort of runaway sleeper, it was back in... 2011 2012 I think it was yeah yeah 2012 maybe that was to its detriment when this came out people were like I've seen this movie I'm not going to bother yeah I I seem to remember Drive was quite polarising with the public as well at the time yeah yeah maybe that also you know people went Mm. I didn't like Drive I'm not going to like this so I'm not going to see it Absolutely. And it didn't have as wide a release, I don't think, because they are operate even though Drive isn't the biggest budgeted film in the world, it's it's is operating it is distributed by a major studio. Um yeah. it is have a more substantial budget and a better known leading man at the time. 
as yeah. well. And I think I think you've onto something there, Simon, because I think they've probably just listened to the score or the soundtrack from this film and gone, oh, that's a bit like Drive, isn't it? Like quite synthy yeah. and 80s sounding. So we'll go with that. Mm. But this is, whereas Drive takes itself deadly seriously, this this really leans into the ludicrousness of it all. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I actually prefer this movie. Yeah, and now... Uh, because we're at the point now where where things are about to come off the rails and there's two ways you can go. You can either try and address it or they're just going to go, you know where we're going? Everyone get on the train. We're going to crazy town, right? <laughs> You're yeah. coming with us, <laughs> I think this is why it did so well critically because it seems like the vast majority of critics did board that train. And Absolutely. Go, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I know exactly what this film is. And all credit to Wingard, Adam Wingard there because he's set out this tone for a film, and it is off its tits. It's bonkers. But yeah. he's done it so well that he's managed to get everyone on board with it, at least from a critical yeah, point yeah. of view. And they all said the same thing. That's the very reason that the reason they liked it is because it just went with it and proper leaned into it. Yeah. Okay. Are we on? We're on. I can see you, but right. Good. Um, so yeah, sorry listeners. Um, I've had to move again. I'm no longer in the van. I'm actually under God's grand sky. Uh, I'm alfresco. <laughs> right Gorgeous. Sorry about this, gents. <laughs> the, the lengths Rob is going to for you guys. You don't know you're born, honestly. It's outrageous. <laughs> this is pure FYR love. This yeah. is what it is. <laughs> I can't even remember where we were up to. What were we talking about? Luke got into a bit of a uh, fisty cuffs at school. I think he cracked oh, a, yes. a, a, a ruler, ruler around yeah. the kid's face. <laughs> yeah, they called it a yardstick, didn't they? Yeah, when yeah. In fact, we all know we all know it's a metre rule. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, now um, Dan Stevens not he's not just about beating up teenagers and shooting defenceless people in quarries. He can mediate a meeting as well. So he comes in there and uh, Luke's being threatened with expulsion. And uh, he's got quite the legal mind, hasn't he, uh, David, at this stage? Yeah. Um, and he utters that great line, I'm a friend of the family. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's super stuff, that one. And that was the tagline. And it's a great result for everyone. He gets uh, a potential expulsion reduced down to a month's worth of detention. So, you know, everyone's... Uh, Yes. Which sets up the finale gorgeously, doesn't it? Oh, Which we'll it does, yeah. Shortly. Lovely interlocking jigsaw script pieces. Yes. It is. It's very good. Uh, Luke will be working on the um, on the decorations for the Halloween dance that's coming up, and I'm sure that won't come into play as we move into the, <laughs> into the final throws of this movie. And it's also at this point that Luke is so besotted with Dan Stevens he at this is. stage. He's, he's like his best friend. And uh, they start talking about, you know, the murders that have been going on around town and the fact that Luke knows that, that it's uh, David who's been killing all these people, but he doesn't care, you know, because he's his bud, basically. And he also knows about David's secret plan, which I think is just hilarious. Is the, uh, <laughs> who he was on the phone to earlier when Anna again got suspicious was he was speaking to a discredited plastic surgeon who he's going to go to, who's going to change his face for it <laughs> so that he can evade the authorities. Like... If there was any doubt whether the uh, filmmakers were taking this 100% seriously or not, or that whether they're in on the joke as well, this is, yeah. So it's like a Scooby-Doo ending, basically. That's his plan. It is, yeah. Essentially. It's, like, it's, it's like all the bits that you, you, you like when you're writing something like this. You're like, I can't put that in, can I? Go on, we'll, see, we'll put it in and see how far we can let it stay. <laughs> you know? And then suddenly it's in the final product. Yeah, every time they had one of these conversations, like, that might be going pushing it a bit too far. 
they go, no, no, let's keep pushing it. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, from, from here, they, they, you know, they all head back home and, um, all the cops arrive at the at the, at the house, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yes. This is the sort of cues that the the third and final act really doesn't. Yes. And, um, I mean, I've said I say this term quite a lot on this podcast, but uh, this is where the heel turn comes for absolutely. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and where it's a bit ambiguous whether you don't know you know whether to be on his side or not. You're definitely not on his side now yeah. after this. I bit. mean, th- um, this is definitely the bit where Marty Ginetti gets switching music through the window of the. <laughs> Barbershop. <laughs> great pull. It's a great pull. <laughs> Classic nineties pull. Look. Um, I mean, to be fair, though, I would say it's only towards the end of this sequence that you fully have to abandon David at this stage. Because, oh yeah, as much as I love Lance Reddick, he rolls up on David while he's putting the washing out. By the way, this is the greatest uh, action sequence that takes place in and around a washing line. I've ever seen. Yeah, it really <laughs> is, isn't it? <laughs> it's in uh, a horror film as well, isn't it? This must be another nod to a horror film. I'm sure yeah, there's absolutely, something where yeah. there's like you know white sheets. It's, it must be Halloween where there's yeah, just definitely. And uh, just all guns are blazing, aren't they? So um, Lance oh, Reddick yeah. rocks it's up fantastic. with his squad and they absolutely start unloading, don't they? But they can't hit him. As, uh, and, and they it's shoot on sight, isn't it? it? Is, they don't even, they don't yeah, even yeah. talk to him. They see him there, and b- b- bam, we're away. Yeah, and there's just bullets flying everywhere. And I think this action's really well choreographed as well at this point because this is the the only real like pure action scene in, yes. in the movie, isn't it? So this is the action five minutes mm. of the film, yes, like, and it's a really good sure. set piece, isn't it? Because that really house is, gets yeah. absolutely decimated. Oh, it's so good. I, I, I love this bit pieces it's so good and the mum is still so confused yeah yeah Sheila Kelly is still not knowing which side to fall on here yeah um, until he sort of makes the decision for her and all of us absolutely and it's at this stage that it's revealed that Caleb her son was actually part of the same program mm. uh, and that David is essentially just a rogue participant in this military program that's gone really wrong he burnt the place down and ran away and everyone thought he was dead but he's not dead and yeah, and then uh, she's about to give him up, isn't it? And he yeah, he murders her, doesn't he? He stabs yeah, and kills her. Stabs her. Yeah. I mean, it just and and that's when the sound design just goes off the scale like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good lord, it's awful. It's horrible, isn't it? I don't, I don't think I like him anymore. No, no, no I've gone right off him. That was a fringe right off him. Perhaps he'll do something to redeem himself in the next minutes. Oh no, here's. Uh, Here's the father of the family coming home. <laughs> Let's just get into a head-on I mean, collision that, with <laughs> I just love it all. And then he gets out, and obviously he's wounded at this point, isn't he, David, yeah. to an extent. And he walks, sorry, I can't, I'm finding it really hard when I say the name David not to go, David, from <laughs> Independence Day. <laughs> oh, David. <laughs> finding it really difficult. Anyway, um, they... Uh, yeah, head-on collision. Then he gets out and plugs the dad in the chest, which is horrendous. Outrageous. Um, and, yeah, it's just... like, And I've written uh, uh, the dad, dash, gah! Literally, uh, uh, you know, G-A-H-H-H in my notes here. Um, heads to town to where the coffee shop where Michael Monroe's character works. Yes. And she's not in, so what do we do? Roll some grenades in there. Oh. <laughs> 
he does it so casually, like so, he, tells, so he does it with with such joy, doesn't he? Where he just like <laughs> like a clown. <laughs> did you take joy from that? I did. I, did. I thought I thought he was doing it with just like this is such a massive ball, like all of this, like because what we find out from a very tiny bit of exposition from uh, Lance Reddick is that basically he's this super soldier and he's been programmed that if his cover is blown, he has to tie up all loose ends. Basically, so when he goes into the diner he obviously built, bumps into uh, Kristen who is the girl that he slept with at the party mm. he plugs her in the chest which is the, oh yeah forgot about that yeah and then realises that everybody in the diner has seen it and rolls two grenades in there and blows up the <laughs> diner and everybody in it I mean we're off the, we're off the reservation at this stage now aren't we like yeah I mean I mean, any the, the, that's the thing is, no one is safe. Yeah, I love it. We're in a movie when suddenly nobody is safe in any kind of fiction. Yeah, where the, the everything is up for grabs, the stakes just become so much higher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I just um, not that I said, not that I'm saying that I really enjoyed watching this family get massacred, <laughs> but <laughs> and all the sort of incidental people. But it certainly was, oh my word, fresh, interesting, exciting. This is not a dull movie. No, it's no, never boring, really. is it? And no, no, no. As we uh, say, as we sort of touched on earlier, they're, they're cheeky boys. The guys who are making this, they know exactly oh, yeah, what they're yeah, doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're up to mischief, and they know it basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then we're at the um, uh, the Halloween maze. Yeah, and he puts the CD on. That's such a good moment. Yeah, it's great, yeah, isn't it? And, like, there's a really great, like, humorous jump scare here. So Lance Reddick and Anna have to go to the school to get Luke because they realise that um, that David, who isn't David, we don't know who he is now, but we'll just call him David for the purposes of the rest of the film, and has to tie up all the loose ends, which means killing all of them. So they go to Luke to get there. And as, as Lance Reddick is moving his way through the through the maze that they've set up for the... Uh, for the Halloween dance, there's like a, a shuddering door, isn't it? And he like shits <laughs> yes, himself yeah, as yeah. he goes past it and pulls his gun on it. <laughs> and then he shouts out to the teacher, How do I get out of this maze? And he's like, You take a right, then a left, then straight, then right, then left, then straight, then right, then left. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> yes, I've got it. <laughs> it's the most elaborate the the budget this school must have for its school dance is outrageous it must be like a million dollars <laughs> so good well i i love i love this bit because it just goes full-on 80s slasher flick doesn't it, it? Yeah, does, it does, does yeah, yeah. the music the synth there um the invincible bad guys there um, yeah yeah the young heroines there as well even the even the tombstones and the rolling yeah. smoke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just a sort of cat and mouse bit now, isn't it? In in this, and it's great. And it's still there's loads of death happening. You know, the, the poor teacher gets his his throat cut. You ju- you just hear it, don't you? For uh, they're in yeah. this hall in this room of mirrors, like uh, Bruce Lee yeah. and Enter the Dragon, <laughs> and uh, you just <laughs> and you just hear the like the the noise, the stabbing noise, and the, oh. the, the teacher what? And then he walks yeah. out. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, this is disgraceful. <laughs> you have done it again, David. Yeah. David. David, you've done Control it again. Control yourself, David. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's my programming. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lance Reddick gets a, a terrible thumb injury. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a thumb to forearm split, and that's what does oh. it does for him. It's yeah, it's quite grisly, isn't it? And- that's bad. That's bad. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and suddenly it's the two kids, isn't it, against um, David? Yeah. Against the Terminator, which he has essentially Basically, become yeah. now. Yeah. And uh, the young lad, Luke, um, stabs him with a, the butterfly knife that David gifted him. Yeah. yeah. You know, Literally uh, stabs him in the back because Luke yeah. is, is the, the one ally yeah. he's got, isn't he? And I love the, the rolling smoke across the floor. Yeah, yeah, this yeah there's dry ice everywhere. So it's great, yeah. yeah. It's really, really good. Um and David, yeah, David gets one to the chest. They fight, you know, it's a, it's a serious battle. It and, is, yeah, um, yeah. He slumps back, and I think this is just the shot of the whole movie for me. The, <laughs> David's eyes just above the, the line of the smoke yeah. next to a tombstone saying, so, I think it says RIP. I mean, it yeah. literally is that baby. In, in like childish felt it pen, like Neil Buchanan's yeah. done it on Art Attack. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough love for Neil Buchanan, I'm telling you. Yeah, they, the authorities arrive and they think it's all gravy. The gym's on fire. We've got to yeah. say that as well. Naughty David. Yeah, the gym's off. Yeah, sorry, forgot all that. Everything's going up in flames. The naughty David, you know, good job he's dead. Yeah. And then one of the emerging firemen from the oh, um, he goes all Ving, He goes all Ving Rhames, doesn't he? Oh, <laughs> Come on, heel, Billy. No, wrong film. Wrong Ving Rhames. Wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, you have this suggestion that David is out. David yeah, well, survived. it's not a He's suggestion. He gets a close-up in his mask, <laughs> in his firefighter kick. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes, yeah. It's, it's definitely him, yeah. And then you have yeah. a close-up of Michael Moreau going, what the fuck? And then yeah. smash yeah. the black and we're out, so, basically. It's such a good end. Like, a lovely final shot, isn't it? So it's good. Uh, it's brilliant. And there endeth, endeth the, thus, thereeth, thus endeth the movie. Yes. Uh, and so, can I get your best bits, fellas? Um... Yeah, I mean, for me, I can't state honestly how great the soundtrack of this movie is. So mm. if you've watched the film, you know, track down the soundtrack. It's really, really good. I was actually listening to it in the car with my uh, when I picked my son up from nursery earlier today. <laughs> and he even he, he shouted his approval from the back seat. So that's good. Nice. So very nice. good. But for me, my favorite scene is the bar scene. I like to remember, yeah. um, uh, remember Dan Stevens' as a lovely baby face. You know when he's uh, when he, when we're still in his when he's still in our good graces. So the fireball drink, the Cosmo, and the <laughs> and the blowjob shots, the the violence, and just his performance is so good. It's probably the most yeah. dialogue that he has in the whole movie at that point, and he's just so charismatic and intense. And then when it comes to the physicality, he's got that down pat as well, and it really plays into that eighties tough guy vibe that the film is going yeah. for. And I think it's at this point that you say to yourself, like, Dan Stevens is no joke in this role and this is going to be yeah, a really, yeah, really absolutely. good movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. yeah couldn't agree more, man. Uh, si, you got a favourite bit? Um, what, do you mean something aside from Dan Stevens' gorgeous eyes? Because <laughs> I, mean, I, can't, I can't get beyond that. He's the Jesus Navas of movies. <laughs> oh, such a dream bout. Are they his real... Is that his real eye colour? I don't know. Was he... Was he... <laughs> Contact lens up to the digitally max. enhanced. A bit of a bit of color grading on the old lines. <laughs> no, yeah, I love the bar fight, James. That the bar fight was just brilliant. Um, but I, it's a really basic. I just love. I, I mentioned it before how the the way all these bullies react to getting hit. Yeah, and the moment when Luke smacks one of the bullies with this uh, with this meter ruler. <laughs> 
and his reaction is a mate because he proper beans him across the head, and, and you like you like half expect it to cut back, and he's got like a shard of wood in his cheek or something. Yeah, you remember yeah. that uh, episode yeah, yeah. of Nine 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 where the guy got the kid got a javelin through his neck, and it was like, oh, what? That's not, <laughs> that's me not sleeping tonight. Thank you. Uh, yeah, horrendous. You half expected that, like a shattered ruler freak, but no, it was just just cuts, and he's going, he's just got his hand on his jaw, and he's like. Get me right in the face, you nutter! <laughs> so good. I just love like the, the the like realistic reaction to someone getting hit across the face. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> really hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, all very very good points. Um, I I still find i think the sequence the gunfight at the house house oh, you know i great, love gunplay yeah. guys but like oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. the authentic um uh live action gunfight so so great and dead dynamic and as well in that if you're ever wondering whether stevens can pull off the action chops you don't need to worry about that in any way um so yeah really really cool loved all that stuff um so yeah that that whole sequence i think would be for me when he when he slides out from under the bed and that's brilliant plucks oh, a guy in yeah. the head. oh what that's a great oh, it is super, amazing choreography super duper duper um so fyr James, as is per our custom, you will go last because you brought the movie to us. Sai, would you like to suggest whether we should reconsider this movie or not? Oh, like <clears throat> for me, absolutely. Um, it was so much better on a second watch for me. And like, while you know, the, there are a hell of a lot of nods to 80s slasher movies and uh, good old fashioned like 70s revenge thrillers, but it's just the way Adam Wingard's managed to sort of masterfully combine the two so well to sell something and create something that's quite original and quite unique. I don't know how he's managed to pull it off. And Dan Stevens is just brilliant as David. He's so, so good in that lead role. He's just done wonders to remove himself from being that chubby posh guy from Downton. (laughs) (laughs) This hench, rebellious army dude. Yeah, I loved it. I would definitely watch a sequel if that's the rumors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gimme, gimme. Yeah, bigger budget, hopefully. Yeah. Nice. Enthusiastic. I uh, will go second then. Um, FYR, of course. Stevens is superb. The whole film is like one big, gigantic, multi-genre rug pull from the opening minute. The soundtrack is astonishingly good. And the movie is as tight and taut as Dan Stevens' shirtless epidermis. Um, <laughs> it is a winner-winner chicken dinner, and even Mrs. Parker really, really liked it too. Oh, she yeah, did like is, it, right? She yeah. absolutely loved it, yeah. She said this is one great, great movie. So that actually opens up more you know, more stuff. I would say it opens up more stuff that I can show her, but actually there aren't that many films like this. No. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> but yeah, um, I love this is one of the one of those primo moments when you're doing the um, podcast and you get introduced to something new and you dig it, dig it, dig it. So yeah, love it. Amazing. Great. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I kind of knew that Simon uh, liked it already, but I knew you hadn't seen it, Rob. So I'm, I'm over the moon that you enjoyed it. Ooh, Obviously, yeah. I'm putting it up for reconsideration. I mean, it's just a good time at the movies, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, 
The film wears its influences on its sleeve and has its tongue buried deeply in its cheek as it barrels through its knowingly ludicrous plot. Uh, Equipped with a star-making turn from Dan Stevens and a supreme soundtrack, it moves at an incredible pace, delivering genre thrills aplenty. Uh, As I said at the top of the pod, it's a cult classic in the making and it deserves a wider audience, so go and watch it. It is on Amazon Prime Video for our listeners in the UK. Outstanding. Outstanding. I really loved that movie tonight, actually, guys. Really dug it. Yeah. And just to reiterate as well, if you have seen this before and you were a bit sort of like like I was and Mick LaSalle, it seems, a bit sort of tepid on it. <laughs> Give it another go. It's I got so much more out of it second time around. Yeah, really, yeah. really, really did. Awesome. Awesome. Three FYR gold stars, ticks, whatever Absolutely. we call them. That is a full go-ahead, reconsider, and give this a whirl. Super dupes, thank you for listening, everybody. Next week, we are with Simon and your Pixar. Oh, I haven't been to the mouse house for a while, so we're going to go. It's probably bad timing, um, considering what's going on in the courts at the moment, but uh, we're going to watch uh, The Lone Ranger uh, with <laughs> <Yeah>. Army Hammer <laughs> and Johnny Depp. Fantastic. Just Army Hammer. We'll see how this court case goes. We might not be able to mention Tom <laughs> Turner. Like, it'd be like Voldemort, those we do not speak of, or the unnamed. Yeah. Just redact it every time. So so every time, boop, boop, does that. <laughs> Super duped. I look forward to that greatly. Thank you for listening, as I said, everyone. Please hit us up on Twitter at FYFFilmPod. Send us emails at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. And give us those lovely five stars on your listening subscription thing of choice. And uh, say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, and just one last thing. If you are going to e- email us, go easy on the conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to tell us who actually did kill JFK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs>